You are now listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Our message comes to us from our teaching and discipleship pastor, Pastor Jordan Wood. Have a listen. Good morning, church. So happy to have the privilege of preaching this message this morning. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. The title of my message this morning is Faithful Forever. As I said, let me say again, I consider it an honor and a privilege to be able to share this word with you this morning. I know that for many of us, uh, it's a time of grief, of sadness. At the least, it's a time of uncertainty. Things are changing so rapidly in our world. For some, it is even a season of loss. And uh, many among us are experiencing one too many tough days. Let me just say that even in this season of emotional turbulence through the ups and the downs, um, my prayer is that the content of my message would be a blessing to you this morning. My prayer is that through this word, you would be reminded of God's love and his care, even through a season of uncertainty, and that through it all, you would come to know the faithfulness of our great God. Let me pray. Father, this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. Amen and amen. John chapter 11, verse 38 through 44. And I'll just begin reading. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Now, does that sound familiar? Stone in front of a cave? The stone was placed at the mouth of the cave in order to seal it. Nothing in, nothing out. Once the stone was set in its place, it wasn't meant to be moved. It was meant to be permanent. I love Jesus because he's always challenging our assumptions on what we think is permanent and what we think is temporary. Jesus knew what he was about to do. He was about to call Lazarus forth. But before doing so, the way needed to be prepared. The stone needed to be removed. Let me confirm this word with you this morning. If you want the life of God to come forward, the way needs to be prepared first. The stone was the difference between access granted and access denied. Now, let me just clarify what I am not saying. I am not saying that before you can come to God that you need to be perfect or that you even need to clean yourself up or that you need to solve all your problems. We know that even in our own ability, in our own strength, we can't do that. We need the Lord's help to do that. What I am saying, though, however, is that it's very difficult to reach out for God with your hands full. So let me ask the question, what stone or what stones are you carrying today? 
let me challenge you to remove it. Lay it down. Put yourself in a position to receive from God. Someone say, access granted. That's it. Turn to the person you're sitting with in your house and say, access granted. If there's no one there, just tell your dog or your cat, access granted. You don't have an animal, just tell your plants. It helps if you talk to your plants, they grow better. Just say, access granted. Maybe you're just all alone. You need to tell yourself, let me just tell you, even if you're all alone, you're in good company. It was King David who said, bless the Lord, O my soul. He was talking to his own soul. And he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Sometimes you need to remind yourself. Sometimes you need to tell yourself uh, the word of the Lord and to declare it over yourself even. So tell your soul, access granted. We pick up in the following verse. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Now let me ask you a question. Did anyone ever teach you growing up that it isn't good to start a sentence with the word but? Let me tell you about my firstborn son, Gabriel James. Gabriel is now 5.5 years old, going on 15. And as Gabe has grown up, he has come up with a few cute sayings. I'm sure as parents, some of you know and you have cute things that your kids say. We all do. Over the past year or so, when Cecilia and I are, are giving Gabe instruction or, or telling him something, uh, on some occasions, not all the time, he responds in a certain way when he doesn't like the decision we take. We say, Gabe, you need to do this. Or Gabe, don't don't do that, or you need to think about this, and Gabe will say, yeah, but, and then whatever else he's going to say. And we say, we, we've come to the point now where we say, oh no, here come the yabbats. They're everywhere. Quick, let's run from the yabbats. So Gabe just laughs because he knows that he said, yeah, but, and we, we tease him about it, and we all have a good laugh about it. But it's true. So often we hear what God has asked us to do. And if we're honest, on the inside, we say, yeah, but. Yes, Lord, but reason would suggest, or yeah, but, what will people think of us? Or yeah, but, we can't afford to do that. Church, you need to watch out for the yeah, buts. Take them out quickly because they multiply fast. Some of you need to reach for that spiritual shotgun of faith, pump it back one time, and take out the yabut. I'm going to put a cap in that yabut. A spiritual cap. But Lord, Martha said, here's the thing. It was reasonable what Martha was saying. She had good intentions. She was being thoughtful. She was being reasonable. The truth is that sometimes the yabuts show up as thoughtful, reasonable, and with good intentions. Faith is the ability to discern the voice of God and obey, even in the face of the seemingly reasonable. We pick up in the passage. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So what came first, the believing or the seeing? Let's take a quick look at John 20, verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, I call him T. Diddy, 
One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Did I not tell you, Jesus said, that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see? When it comes to the glory of God, believing comes before seeing. Most people would say, like Thomas, they got to see it to believe it. Jesus said that the promises of God belong to the faithful. We pick up our passage. It says this, So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. As usual, Jesus opens his prayer with giving thanks. A few weeks ago, Pastor Stefan talked about thanksgiving and uncertainty. Let me just say that it's very difficult to get anywhere with God apart from gratitude. What was Jesus thankful for? His Father hearing him. Are you thankful for the Lord hearing you? Jesus said, I know that you always hear me. Church, God hears always. Not just your prayers, but your thoughts. God knows the very intentions of our hearts. There is absolutely nothing hidden from God. God knows your heart because God hears always. He knows your struggle. God hears the intimate heart cries as he has shown that he does not stand afar off, but has been made near by the blood of Christ. It says, who knows the mind of the Lord? Or who knows the mind or heart of man, but the spirit of man? And we have not been given the spirit of man, but we've been given the spirit of the Lord. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let's take a quick look at the process. Jesus comes from a place of weeping. In verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. And he moves from a place of weeping to a prayer of thanksgiving. From a posture of prayer, he then calls forth the promise and God puts his glory on display. Where there was finality, there is a fresh start. Where there was fear, there is now freedom. Where there was death, there is now life. Where there was uncertainty, there is now faith. When God speaks his word, the situation changes. When God speaks his word, 
everything in heaven and earth must bow. When Lazarus came out, he still had on the symbols of death. He had that N95 mask on. Jesus told Lazarus, you don't need the PPE. The quarantine is over. And this is our prayer today, that God would send his word. Cancel the panic and the pandemic. Cancel the decrees of death and the plague. Cancel the fear and affirm your faithfulness, God. Send your word, Lord, that the world would witness your glory in this hour. Amen. Let me just wrap up by reminding you of the points that I addressed today. I've got eight of them. The first one is come to God with an open hand. Second is watch out for the yabbits. Third is walk by faith, not by sight. Fourth is thanksgiving is the threshold. Know that God hears you. Declare the word of God. Take off the garments of death. And finally know with all certainty that God is faithful forever. Before we close, let me just take a quick glance at three passages that speak about God's faithfulness. The first is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his seal, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Church, no matter how many promises God has made, Christ has fulfilled them all. That's what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. He's saying everything in the Old Testament, everything that God has spoken in the past, every single promise that has ever been made by God is fulfilled in Christ. And so that through Christ, as we are in Christ, we are heirs of the promise. And God is faithful. It says that by the giving of His Spirit, He has given us a deposit. Do you know what a deposit does? It guarantees the fulfillment of what's coming. The very fact of the indwelling Spirit in your life and in my life today is a sign and seal that God will one day keep His promise. He will not fail us. He will see us through. No matter what we face in this life, God is faithful forever. The next passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says this, He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says this, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Paul knew it. Paul understood that by the giving of the Holy Spirit, that the body of Christ, the church, was called into fellowship. That it was a deposit guaranteeing what was to come. So today, we can stand in faith. We can walk with the confidence of God, knowing that He is with us, knowing that He hears us, and knowing that forever God is faithful. Finally, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 
says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Listen to what the author of the book of Hebrews is saying. Let us not swerve from side to side, but let us move forward confidently. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we don't need to know necessarily. We know that whatever occurs, God is going to be faithful. He's promised it. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you. I will come and I will make my home with you and I will abide with you as long as we trust in him. It's up to us, church, what posture we're going to take in this season, in a season of uncertainty, in very fluid situations where things are changing so rapidly. It's so good to build our lives on the solid rock. Just before we pray, let me close with this personal story. And I want to be a little bit transparent with you this morning, and uh, I hope that many of you will identify with it. And that is, the reason why I'm sharing this story is because I feel like there's a little bit of a danger in the world that we're living in right now. You see, when I was saved and came to the Lord, it was a dramatic salvation. That was my story. Um, and we got back to church and I just loved the Lord so much and I was worshiping with all my heart. I'd be down at the altar getting saved 750 times. You know, I would just, any type of call that was given out, I was just up there. I was just, bam, beeline. Oh, that message is speaking to me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at the front. I'm going to be worshiping. It doesn't matter what people say, what, how I look. I've got, my whole face is a mess. I got tears rolling down every single Sunday. And that went on for a little bit. And then just being in church, being in, in, in the culture, I moved from worship to a place where a critical spirit began to develop. I started hanging around with church folk and some of them would say after the service, you know, that was a good message. Or I really liked that worship song or I didn't like that worship song or I liked what they did there. That harmony was good or that harmony wasn't good or this was out of place or this was in place. And it just seemed that there was so much commentary after services and being part of the church culture that it had to do with evaluating things. And what I'm saying to us today is that it's so easy to just fall into that place of evaluation. And God is not in this season calling us to a place of evaluation. He's calling us to a place of participation. And I say that it's so easy to fall into that because we're engaging our world now through screens. Everything we're doing is through a screen. We're communicating, we're meeting with people, we're talking, we're doing work. Everything is through screens. It's so easy to just take ourselves out of the equation and just evaluate what's going on. But God is calling us to participate. Let me give you another example. Some of you may know I try to uh, be humorous on occasion. I love to tell jokes. I love to laugh. And I've got these two friends, and they shall go unnamed. But I'll just say the difference between the two. If I say a joke in the presence of these two friends, one of them will laugh. One of them will say, that's funny. One of them is participating. The other one is evaluating. And we need to move in this season from evaluation to participation. 
As a pastor, it's very difficult to attend church services and, and go into different services because we're always looking and seeing what people are doing and we always want things to be perfect. But this is not the season where things are all going to be perfect and worked out. But it, God is calling us to participate, to be active, to be engaged, to pay attention to what's going on, not just from an evaluative standpoint, but from a place of participation. In our day and season, we have a tendency to evaluate and not participate, especially since we're experiencing life through the screen. Let's commit to doing what we can to move from evaluation to participation, knowing that the Word of God cautions us in James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. You see, the day that Jesus raised Lazarus from that tomb, there was a crowd and there were some religious leaders that saw the miracle that Jesus did. And instead of participating, they went and, you know, plotted against him. Who are we in that crowd? Are we just going to evaluate what Jesus is doing and speaking? Or are we going to walk out of the grave? Let me close in prayer. Father, I thank you today that you always hear us. We come to you with open hands, Lord. We ask that the stones would be removed today. I pray that you'd lift off fear, lift off anxiety. Help us to be attentive to you. Help us to know that you always hear us. Help us to give you full and complete access to our hearts and our lives. We ask that we would live lives marked by faithfulness and resist the temptation to doubt you. Rather than echo all the words of death that surround us, today we speak freedom and truth and life. We declare, Lord, that you are faithful forever. It's been an honor and a privilege serving you from this table this morning. I pray that this message has blessed you in Jesus' name. You have been listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including events, ministries, and service time, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast store, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.